Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I welcome back the outspoken vocalist from Warrior Soul, Corey Clark. Corey talks about the new album that's on the way, and we discuss their recent covers album called Cocaine and Other Good Stuff. It's a fun conversation. Check it out. So, Corey, welcome back to the 80s Glam Metal Cast, man. How you doing? Good to talk to you again. Jesse, yeah, you too. It's been, hasn't been that long, but it's been a, long, it's a fairly long time since we spoke last. Yeah, it was, it's over a year. Time is, uh, time's flying by. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Seems like uh, things are getting slightly better. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. So, uh, I hear that you're uh, working on some new stuff, man. Give us all an update. What do you got going on? Uh, well, the new record I want to have out. I want it completed by August 20th, but uh, so I can get it out in time for um, top 10 lists for the year. <laughs> Squeeze it right in. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, I'm really excited about it. It's a lot of stuff that's been cooking around for you know 18, 20 months ever since I did some tracking in Chicago in late 2019. So it's uh, it's following up our uh, our covers album that we did last year, Cocaine and Other Good Stuff. And um, it's uh, it, I'm really excited about it. It should be pretty cool. Now, you guys have always kind of dabbled in you know punk, metal, psychedelic stuff. Where's this album leaning? <laughs> That's not all. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's just a taste. <laughs> uh I don't know how to describe it. The opening track is pretty tripped out. Um, it's called We're Alive. Then it gets into sort of a, a boomy Zeppelin-esque kind of thing. And then this, uh, I don't know how punky it really is. There's, there's you know, a good smattering of, of different influences uh, and genres, to be sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, to say to say anything but it's a Warrior Soul record would be would be wrong now it sounds like you said you've been you've been writing for a while now but have you ever had points where like it's kind of like dried up you got no ideas or i mean are you always writing songs you mean like every day Uh, you know what i mean like do you you have dry spells or are you always writing we i yeah i found it very hard to write this record Mm -hmm. uh and i every year gets more and more difficult because you don't want to rehash your same stuff right um and once you've done a lot of stuff and I wasn't that smart to begin with, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's very difficult to write because you got to come up with new stuff all the time. And I don't know if I've done thirteen or fourteen studio albums, something like that. I mean, besides the other bands I've worked on, like uh, Mob Research and Dirty Rig and Trouble and all that, all that stuff. Let's talk about. Um cocaine and other good stuff because uh i was jamming on this man i really like it uh what's the story yeah. what is this was this like your childhood playlist or wh- where did these songs come from yeah this is like my favorite song mm-hmm. you know that i like to listen to and you know what i would turn the radio up for i mean certainly american band i mean that's that's a song that you would you know learn what third grade or fourth grade we'd all run home from school and go to Rick Rutenbar's 
house because his parents stayed at work till six, and we would just crank the stereo and call in requests. Uh huh. You know, and just listen to, you know, <laughs> the only two songs. Or, there was two or three songs that really did this: uh, "Smoke on the Water," yep, and "American Band." It just we all went mental. I don't know what it was. <laughs> and these it's are. These are nasty renditions, and I mean it as a compliment. But these, you know, this is raw stuff, powerful stuff, man. And uh, I was, I was surprised by by some of the tunes that made it on there. It, it, and in particular, is Kiss, because I'm a huge Kiss fan. I did not know that you were into Kiss. Well, I mean, I think Gene's a dickwad, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we were into Kiss in Detroit, obviously, right? In that seventy three, seventy four, uh, seventy five, but once. Once the Kiss Army started, that was when I was like, I had to blink and go, whoa, you know, I'm I'm not buying a Kiss sleeping bag, you know, forget <laughs> yeah. it, you know, I'm not part of your Kiss Army, kiss my ass, <laughs> and like, you know, after that, then you know, you get various different dudes, you get a wolf guy, an aardvark guy, whatever else, right, I got crazy, <laughs> you know, come <laughs> on, man. You know, yeah, I, of course I like Kiss, and especially the Ace Freely power stuff. That's the greatest. Oh yeah, so you kind of so you you pick two from uh, the debut album. Is that the one that you prefer? Do you do you like? Is that your favorite one by Kiss? The debut. I like the first three. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think is what I like. I mean, Hotter Than Hell's a bit rough, but you know, uh, Dress to Kill's fucking cool. I, you know, I, I just, anything after that is kind of you know. Lick it up, forget it. Yeah, yeah. Dress the kill out of those first three. That's probably my favorite. Even though the debut is awesome, and obviously that's songs they play to this day. I like Dress the Kill because I feel like some of those songs they're more like deep tracks. You know, like Room Service, Two Timer, Ladies in Waiting. You don't hear those all the time, yeah. and, and uh, I don't know. They just still seem kind of fresh to me. Two Timer is hilarious. I mean, there's something. They're just sleaze bags. We love them. <laughs> you know that. During that time period, and you, you just, yeah, the sort of the amateur approach to the playing, um, I don't know, there's something really cool about it. Yeah, definitely. And you do Cooper Elected. Uh, I love Alice Cooper as well. I mean, Coop's got a lot of, once again, Kiss and Alice Cooper, they, they kind of went all over the place. It's amazing if, if you look at some of the catalogs of these bands. I mean, a lot of different kinds of styles. Yeah, I mean, all she cares about is making money, man. But, uh, <laughs> You know, and he likes to put on his little magic show. You know, that's really the deal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, but but uh, being an election year and being an important election year, I thought singing elected would be really good. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and because because Warrior Souls like a, a known as a very politically oriented band against fascism. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know? No, that was an awesome choice. And then one thing that really stood out to me was you did Living After Midnight. And I love how you guys, you got loaded. It's real, like, nasty and, and, and that, real big, that got, loaded. That is the, that's the one thing you've got to nail on that song. <laughs> loaded. Yeah. You know, it's got to be, you've got to sound kind of drunk and kind of tired at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that hard for me to do. <laughs> comes natural. <laughs> so when you go, I got to ask you this because I recently I've been I used to play in bands when I was a kid and I, I've started getting back into it and I've been doing actually cover songs with like people all over the world. You know what I mean? Like from different countries and then we just combine the tracks. So 
doing covers yeah. is kind of fresh in my head. So when you approach a cover, obviously, you know, you're an established singer, an established band. What do you go in and say, yeah, I'm going to try to give this a touch of Gene Simmons, or do you just say, I'm going Corey Clark? What happens when you approach these songs? Um, well, obviously, some song, it depends on the song, really. Mm-hmm. Um, like when we did Outlaw with uh, Motorhead, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to sound like Lemmy. No. You know, but you want to sound tough. So I just use my regular voice, mm-hmm. you know, and try not to you know, do too many inflections. Uh, because when you're doing a cover, I think one of the important aspects is, is, is that it's you singing somebody else's song, not you trying to imitate somebody. Exactly. So that's, that's the approach I took on, on that album. And I think that's how it should be. Because my fans want to hear me. Yep. They don't want to hear Lemmy necessarily. I mean, they probably love Lemmy. They probably like him a lot better than me. But <laughs> they want to hear me do that song. I almost feel like what I noticed is that it's almost impossible really to sound like somebody else because we're just like, okay, let's say a guitar. You could imitate a guitar because you could you could get the same amp and the same effect and you could pretty much replicate what yeah. somebody does. But your voice is your voice. Well, that's true. I mean, but, but you can do the inflections, obviously. You can, yes. Like... I can I could I can imitate Lemmy pretty good. I can imitate Ozzy pretty good, mm-hmm. um, and uh, David Lee Roth pretty good. But you know, it's when you're doing those songs, you want you don't want to sound like them, and no. and it is hard to sound exactly like them. But it's just avoiding the inflections. I think is what what we're looking at there. And then it's fun because as you get going, and I'm sure, I know you did this because I could hear it. You, you kind of can change little parts or maybe you'll hear a harmony that's not there, but you hear it. And so you put it in or, or, uh, you know, like you said, those inflections, you would inflect it differently. And that stuff's kind of fun too, because it's kind of, you hear it as you get going, you know what I mean? Something that's not really there. Yeah. Well, I, even at the house here, I mean, we don't usually play warrior soul records here, right. but right. that record gets on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great, man. I think I think everybody listening to this needs to check that one out because you know, really, it's just like I said, it's kind of like the you know the seventies greatest hits of of hard rock, and uh, it, it's it was done really well, man. Good job, man. I really appreciate your uh, review. Let's go back a little bit to um, the first album because I know for me this is this is I, I bought the album when it came out, and this is when I got into the band. And I did, I'm trying to think of things that I didn't talk to you about last time, or maybe we just didn't have time to talk okay. about. And one was, um, okay. in, in in conclusion, I think that's my favorite yeah. Warrior Soul song. Uh, and I think what's oh, so, so great about it is is the lyrics. And like I said, I was just a young kid, but things that were said in it, you know, like think before action, learn before acceptance, you know. Uh, kind of questioning things, you know what I mean? And I think as a young person, it, when where the world was at that point, it was a really good thing to hear. And even funny things what? that stick out to me today, even when I watch the news or I look at the world, you know, all our leaders answer to silent bosses, you know what I mean? It, it makes you think, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, I meant it to be timeless. Right. That's why I don't mention names. I don't mention pol- political or politicians' names too often in, in any of my songs because... I want the meaning of the song to, to remain everlasting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just a flavor of the year or flavor of the month. Although the uh, my one line about Donald Trump seems to have worked out pretty well. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> no, right? That is that is kind of funny that it, that it worked out that way. When are there any yeah. lyrics that you so like? Let's say, I mean, shit, we're talking over thirty years ago. Are, are there some lyrics that you go back <laughs> to and say, like, wow, I I don't know if I feel the same way, or is everything that you did then still spot on the way you feel today? How, how do you look back at some of your old lyrics? Um, I I think they hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I purposely tried to make them so that they hold up. Like I just said, but. You know, no, I stick by what I said, and you know, I'm like I said, I might might not be the smartest person, but I can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I can read between the lines, and uh, I think I was one of the probably the only boys of uh, that early '90s time period. Yeah, uh, that was in rock that was saying anything about anything um, besides you know whatever. I mean, it's just if you would consider Warrior Souls part of the Seattle age, or the, mm-hmm. that Northwest, you know, onslaught, we would be the political band from that. Yeah. We would be the, you know, the, the, the political voice of that moment. But uh, for some reason, the press thinks if you're from New York, you just, you, you know, <laughs> it's not any good. I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah, in the early 90s. Yeah, you had, you had to be Seattle or you were garbage. <laughs> so stupid. But Chris Cornell thought I was good. So. Yeah, and it's funny, it's like, you know, like you, you make a good point when you think of the bands from Seattle. Not to say that they weren't political to some extent, but it, but it wasn't. If it was, it wasn't direct. You know what I mean? Like if the you, a lot of like Kurt Cobain, prime example. I mean, most of his lyrics are really abstract. So if there was something political in there, you'd really have to sit and think about it to f- figure out what it is. I think, yeah, it, it was sort of a subtle approach to to a political lyric mm-hmm. now like you know when axel just went out and did civil war after he talked to me he's like how do you put all this political stuff in your song i go you just write it <laughs> right. he, wrote, he wrote he wrote civil war after that yeah i'm cobain's lyrics are very subtle i i think that um james hetfield's would be the closest thing mm-hmm. yeah uh you know with his his writing he's he's pretty um He's pretty political, really. Yeah. And, and I always thought, and I know we talked about this before, but Queensryche brought a lot of that out, even though they kind of tried to tried to hide it in Operation Mindcrime because it's like a story, but there's a lot of political views in that album, and that's why I always love, because I always loved Queensryche and I loved Warrior Soul, so when you guys did that tour, that, I thought that was just freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, that was, we, in my mind, that was really good, and I got along with Jeff Tate really well. That was, Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Really good time, actually. Corey, what happened to some of the original guys that were in the original band? Did they retire, like John Rico and Pete McClanahan? Did those guys retire from music? Uh, John Rico's flying around in private jets uh, as a pilot. No shit. Wow. Uh, Pete, McClan- Pete McClanahan went to grow weed with his brother. Okay. On a farm somewhere. <laughs> 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 I, I toured with him a few years ago. Uh just for you know a month or so, and he still looks rocking, man. He's still and he's still a great bass player. Nice. Um, and he's playing with other bands. Obviously, Mark Evans was murdered. I read that uh, in in London in two thousand five. So yeah, uh, the original guys are they're running around. I just I can't afford them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But obviously, you're still going, and now, in your opinion, what's the key to longevity in this business? Because I said, you've you've gone a long time. A lot of people have gone away, never to return. What's the key to, to keeping it going? Don't have kids. 
<laughs> yeah, they can tie you down a little, right? They can tie you down. Um, uh, I don't know, just being interested in actually doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, some people just grow up. <laughs> you know, I've got one, I'm, when I was working with Paul Raven, I go, you know, you ever think about quitting, Paul? And he's like, I'm a lifer. Well, he died about six months later, but, you know, he was... Well, I believe that I am a lifer, whereas I just, I never, I never had a reason to stop, really. Mm -hmm. I think I, I quit for a couple of years just because I was so sick of everybody. Right, right. But then, of course, then, of course, you know, run out of money and you just, you got to start working again. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like I said, some people, well, like you said, you have John Rico, prime example. Some people find another career path. Um, he's flying a plane and maybe that's just a more stable, you know, position to be in. I was reading about this one guy, you remember the band Angel? Um, they were like a seventies. Yeah. yeah. Grafia there, Grafia, the, the keyboard player, this guy uh, invented like, uh, or is building like casino slot machines. And he's, I guess he's like super rich from all this, uh, tech that's inside of these slot machines. So it's like, you know, Hey, if you, if you navigate into something that makes you a lot of money, you know, why would you go back to playing a bar, you know what I'm trying to say? So, I mean, it makes sense, like, it happens. Sometimes you fall into something that's really lucrative. Why would you go back, you know? Well, I would like to give, you know, being rich a try for once. <laughs> I think that'd be an interesting thing to work on. But, um, you know, I've, I've come to a conclusion. I mean, well, I've, I've got a great place where I live. I, I really don't need much, mm -hmm. you know? I, uh, I'm pretty happy with what I've got. I've got a nice mic. i got my drum kit. My guitars, keyboards, a cat, you know, girlfriend. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to try being rich for one. That'd be fun. Yeah. But, you know, every time I have money, I just spend it all anyway. So I might <laughs> just stay broke. <laughs> well, you made an interesting point. So you got all these instruments. So what, do you construct the songs pretty much yourself and then just have the other guys learn what you did? How do, How's your songwriting process work in that respect? Um, let's say... One of the songs that's going on the record, I wrote in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, on the first album, I wrote six of the songs. But, you know, I'm not really a guitar player. I'm a drummer by trade. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a better drummer than I am a singer, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, I wrote uh, uh, something on bass. I wrote something on guitar. But uh, the main things I, I uh, either go in the studio with musicians and they crank out the riffs and then we start to structure things or somebody sends me a riff and I cut it up and uh, give it a give it some meaning and uh, and then we build off of that do you feel that sometimes when when let's say when somebody supplies you a riff that's something that you didn't obviously think of does something else come out you know like melody and lyric wise that you probably couldn't produce you know without that yeah uh, well of course when you get something from somebody else it's going to spur uh, some sort of um, excitement to to create something different um, and it's not going to be something that you usually do so it kind of keeps the whole art process uh, fresh mm -hmm. um, and I you know I appreciate it when the guys sound I always have them send like Okay, if you're going to send me a riff, send me three parts, mm -hmm. you know. It's just like a stem, and then uh, then I start singing on it, and then, well, okay, I lengthen one section, I shorten one section. 
flip sections around and then it eventually becomes a song. Do you play around with this stuff like on, on a computer where like you can chop and chop riffs and move them around and stuff? Do you do yeah, this stuff like I, on an iPad yeah, or something? I'm, I'm using Pro Tools, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I first got Pro Tools in 2000 and um, yeah, I've, been, I've been working on it for a long time. I still don't really know how to use it that great, mm-hmm. but I can mix and I can edit and I can track and you know, I've done albums. You know, I did the... Uh, the Stone album, um, which is something that's released, which is cool. But uh, it's just me mixing and mastering. But I do a lot of mixing here. Um, I definitely coach people who are mixing because mm-hmm. I mix a lot of our records anyway. So, yeah, I've got the ability to, to do a lot of stuff here. So with the new album, you're expecting it to be out around October, correct? I'm hoping end of September, but yeah, probably first week of October. Awesome, man. Well, when you get that going and that comes out, I'll, I'll put all the details on my page and, and everything. Uh, anything you want to say in closing? In conclusion, is there anything you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, go check out Cocaine and Other Good Stuff, DOA from Van Halen. Yeah, that They're was up good. There on YouTube. That was good. And, uh, and be ready. Be ready for the new Warrior Soul record. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, man, yeah. it was great talking with you again, brother. Great talking to you too, Mike. Well, that was great talking with Corey again. There's tons of interviews on the way. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And also, I've been rocking out, man. Check out my covers. The recent ones that are on there are Dr. Love and It's My Life. Give them a watch. Rock on!